0: This is a Radio One ninety-one FM podcast. You're tuned in to the R One News, your stop for news and current affairs on the airwaves, eleven to twelve weekdays here on Radio One ninety-one FM. Tereo kotahi.
1: Kia ora e hairo mai. My name is Nico, and you're listening to your eleven a.m. R One News weekly Tuesday show here on Tereo Irangi Kotahi. Coming up on the programme Teneira, I speak to Dr. Lara Greaves, Senior Lecturer on Politics and International Relations at Auckland University, on the Green Party's move to reopen the co-leader party to other delegates. After that, I will have a little break, play a couple songs before we move into our second feature of the show, where I spoke to University of Otago, Wellington, Research Fellow Constanza Jackson about monkeypox. And to end the show, I'll be diving into what happened on this day in history and share some fun facts and important events which have happened on the 26th of July in previous years. But before all of that, we will have the weather and headlines for the day. But before we move on to that, I'm going to play a song for everyone listening. This is Alice Phoebe Lou with Witches. Stay tuned, stay locked.
0: News headlines: Tēnā koutou, ko Aileen Aho Heavy rain warnings are in place for North Otago and Christchurch as the South Island experiences flooding, slips and road closures. Christchurch City Council is urging people to take care as roads close due to heavy flooding and prepare for slips in hillside areas. Snowfall has led to multiple road closures as well, Notably in Arthur's Pass, roads between Fairley and Twizel, and Taras to Amarama. Russian state controlled energy company Gazprom has announced that they will reduce gas deliveries through the main pipeline into Europe from Wednesday twenty seventh july. Gazprom says it is doing maintenance due to technical condition Gazprom says it is doing maintenance due to the technical condition of the engine, thus cutting the daily gas deliveries to approximately twenty percent of the pipeline's capacity. Germany has commented saying they see no technical reason for the reduction, with Economic Minister Robert Hoback saying President Putin is playing a perfidious game as the West continues economic sanctions due to Russia's occupation in Ukraine. EU officials have rolled out a 15% gas savings plan to counter the energy shortage. Pope Francis has used a trip to Canada to ask for forgiveness over the historic abuse of Indigenous children in residential schools run by the Catholic Church. The Pope has travelled to Canada to deliver the apology in person for the church-run forced assimilation institutions and the, quote, evils that transpired. The six-day visit comes after the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at several former residential school sites over the recent years. The discovery has led to renewed calls for accountability from both governments and the Catholic Church. And those were the headlines on R1 News. Now, Ketepehe te Ahua o te rangi. How's the weather? The R1 News weather. An orange heavy rain warning is in place for Otipoti, with strong easterlies and a high of 9, a low of 8. Wednesday looks to begin with more heavy rainfall, slowly easing throughout the day. With strong easterlies also reducing in strength, a high of 10 and a low of 8. That was the R1 News headlines. Catch up at r1.co.nz forward news or find us at Radio 191 FM on Twitter or R1 News NZ on Instagram and tune in to R1 News at 11am on weekdays.
1: That was Eileen with the news, headlines and weather for today. Coming up on the program, we're going to move into our first live interview of the show. I'll be speaking to Dr. Lara Greaves about the Green Party and the decision to reopen the position of co-leader to other delegates. But before that, here is Hardy Unclear with Strangers.
2: When I got up out of bed this morning i didn't know you yet and i still don't know you now but at least i know i want to if we never meet again
0: press all the buttons to extend
1: Are tuned into your Tuesday R1 news show. I'm Nico, it is currently 16 minutes past 11, and we are moving into our first live interview. The Green Party has voted to reopen the position of co leader to other delegates. This vote means that James Shaw, the current co leader, has not been confirmed as Green Party co leader. And even though Shaw and Davidson were the only nominations, the party's construction has allowed for these nominations to reopen the position since it has crossed the 25% threshold of votes. I will be quickly joined by Dr. Lara Greaves, Senior Lecturer on Politics and International Relations at Auckland University, to discuss more about the Green Party's move to reopen the co lead position, and what it will mean for the Green Party's future in Parliament in the way that it is structured. This will be an explainer-style interview, so everyone get comfortable and get ready to learn. Kia ora. Can you hear me, Lara?
3: Yeah, kia ora.
1: kia ora. Thank you so much for joining me on air this morning.
3: You're welcome. Always keen to talk about the Greens and political <laughs> happenings, yeah.
1: Good, good. Okay, so first up, uh, can we just have a quick overview, perhaps, of what is currently happening? Because from my understanding, this vote is occurring as the party vote has crossed the 25% threshold. But um, can you perhaps explain a bit more about this vote and what it means for opening up the position for the Green Party?
3: So first I would start with that every political party gets to set its own rules and they have their own constitution, kind of like what a club would have, a sports club or an incorporated society. They set their own rules as to how they deal with things like leadership, candidate selection, their MPs and all of those sorts of things. And so in terms of the Green Party, the Green Party have quite the set of rules. So it's kind of one of the longer (laughs) constitutions. And they really, because they really pride themselves on being quite open and democratic And that's really aligning with who they are, their ideology, and where they occupy on the political spectrum. Um, We'll call them like a left-wing social justice and environmental party. And so in this case, what happens is parties have a yearly conference and have votes on matters that matter to them and, and various things. And in this case, Basically, the Green Party every year they reconfirm their leaders, and in this case, James Shaw has not been reconfirmed as a leader. So, as you had mentioned, more than 25% of delegates, um, voted to, no, um, didn't want to reconfirm them as leader. So, what happens now is there's a week that will go by, um, from last Saturday to see if anyone else nominates themselves to run against Shaw, and then there's if, if someone does nominate themselves, then there will be about a month um, where there's an election to reconfirm or, like, re-vote in a new new co-leader to sit opposite Martima Davidson.
1: Good. Okay, thank you. That was quite a good clarification of it. So the Green Party has come up with this way of organising and obviously having a bit of representation as well for their spokespersons as co-leaders. How, then, will this vote affect Uh, Green portfolios and operations and communications within government, uh, specifically with Labour, if perhaps James Shaw is not re-elected as a co-leader? How will it change up the dynamic um, within Parliament?
3: Uh, So the first thing to note is that the Greens currently are not technically part of the government but they have a memorandum of understanding with the Labour Party so that means that um, Marama Davidson and James Shaw sit as ministers outside of Cabinet so they don't, they don't have a lot they don't have very weighty portfolios but James Shaw is climate change minister and he's been kind of controversial because a lot of Green Party members have said he's not gone hard on that and is a bit more moderate than what the, the party base likes but anyway so he's climate change minister Jacinda Ardern has confirmed that he would stay as climate change minister, that exists that exists independently, that agreement, independently of whoever the leaders are within the Greens. So James Shaw would still sit in that position, even if, say, someone like Chloe Swarbrick had decided to run against him. And there's no evidence at this point that actually any of the sitting MPs are going to run against him. So that sits independently. I think generally what we're looking for um, as political scientists and commentators and people who watch politics is 2023, on current polling, what we would see is maybe a, a Labour, Greens, to Party Māori, versus a National Act pairing. And what we're watching in the polls is whether either of those groupings gets past that 50% and, and, and can govern. And basically, I think, really, the instability in the Green Party, it's not likely to freak out Green members, um, Green voters, because Green voters are actually generally from political psychology research. We know they can sit with a bit more uncertainty and they're quite happy to be more democratic as a party. But what it's likely to do is kind of create a lot of charge from the right um, from National and Act, who will say, oh, the Green Party's unstable and they can't be a partner for Labour in the future, and that it's going to be a bit of a mess. So that's that's kind of the consequences of this leadership contest.
1: Mm, that's really interesting how it will create a, a different dynamic, one which is worth discussing and differently just watching, keeping up to date with for the election next year. And I guess as well in regards to different like oppositions and just mouthpieces for different political parties and groups Um, with the green party structure, it is obviously stemming from a grassroots campaign, the green party, and that Mm. is the way that they configure themselves and the way that they choose to speak about issues such as climate change, which uh, James Shaw does have the portfolio of. Will there be any foreseeable power limitations perhaps um, and and different policy things which could occur under new leadership because it is, um, from my understanding, perhaps a bit difficult to initiate these big plans um, within certain structures and limitations.
4: Mm.
3: So what I'd say is it's incredibly tricky because a lot of people that are involved in the Greens are actually fairly anti-establishment and actually do want to shake up the system. And I think it's pretty clear that we do need a radical restructure of society um, in order to actually mitigate and prevent for further global climate change like that is actually quite clear coming from the evidence. So it's incredibly frustrating for those party members and delegates. But what's likely to happen in this case is it doesn't seem like there's a sitting MP that's going to challenge James Shaw, and in that case, it's very unlikely um, that. James Shaw will be unseated as leader. So what's more likely to happen in this case is it's really kind of shaken the leadership a bit. So Martima Davidson and James Shaw were quite shocked that this happened Mm. Um, and other Green MPs have said that they were quite surprised at it as well. So it's really going to come down to them having to return to their base to really like communicate with them, make them feel heard and figure out exactly what to do and exactly what to prioritise in those potential coalition talks in 2023. Um, But yeah, potentially just really makes them, makes the leadership surprised and really tries to encourage them to be more left-leaning as, as, a, as a potential positive coming out of this for the delegates.
1: Mm, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Lara, for speaking with me about the Green Party situation, the upcoming election, and where can we go just before uh, I let you go, to keep up to date on what is happening just with the current events, with the upcoming vote, and just to stay informed about Green Party news and just politics?
3: I would say my main one that I'm following at the moment is Radio New Zealand. So, like, um, they, RNZ, is is fairly regularly posting on it. And, um, for example... um, the update today that Elizabeth Kitty Kitty's is not running. So I would just generally kind of follow the update on RNZ or, or a similar website because it is—it's still a pretty, even though it's—it's it's not huge. There's not going to be huge political consequences of it. It's still something that you know the media likes to follow.
1: Definitely. Thank you very much for joining me, Lara, and I look forward to uh, talking with you a bit later.
3: Sure. Thank you.
1: That was Dr. Lara Greaves, Senior Lecturer on Politics at the University of Auckland, speaking to me about the Green Party's move to reopen the co-leader party position to other delegates. Coming up, we have a final feature of the show where I'll be talking about events that have happened on this day throughout history. But before all of that, I'm going to play a couple songs and... We're going to start off with Marlon Williams' Party Boy. Stay tuned, stay locked, this is R1 News.
2: Party Boy Everybody loves you, lady
1: Kia ora. you're tuned into Radio 191FM. It is R1 News, your Tuesday show edition. I'm Nico, and it is currently half past 11. Just playing was firstly Marlon Williams with Party Boy, followed by Man Ray with Lovely Room. Now we're moving to our second feature of the show, a feature on monkeypox it has arrived in New Zealand the virus what can we expect and how can we deal with it monkeypox has arrived in New Zealand and it has been here for a couple weeks and over the weekend the World Health Organization who declared that monkeypox spread is a global health emergency there have been more than 16,000 cases in 75 countries I spoke earlier this morning with Otago academic Constanza Jackson, a co-author of a recently released article in the Public Health Expert University of Otago journal about monkeypox and what is the level of risk and how can we manage it. Here is the interview now. Stay tuned and stay locked. Now I am joined by Otago academic Constanza Jackson, a co-author of a recently released article in the Public Health Expert University of Otago journal about monkeypox, its arrival in New Zealand, and what is the level of risk and how do we manage it? Thank you for joining me. Thank Thank you for having me. really appreciate you guys reaching out. So just to start off about this new virus, what are the symptoms of monkeypox How does transmission work? Basically, just a quick rundown of it for everyone listening so they can get an idea about the virus.
5: So monkeypox is an infection that is caused by a virus. Like you said, it is closely related to the smallpox virus, which is a virus that older generations will have had more exposure and knowledge about. But it does cause a comparatively mild infection. Power infection is similar. Initial symptoms would appear, right now we're seeing maybe 6 to 13 days after exposure, averaging about 9 days after exposure. And this can include headache, fever, muscle aches, Uh, fatigue and swollen lymph nodes. You can see that visibly, but also they are painful. Um, So any pain around lymph nodes, that's something that is important to highlight. There's also um, a characteristic rash that is seen that can sometimes develop concurrently with these initial symptoms or after these initial symptoms. And the rash itself can be found on the face and spread to arms, legs, chest, hands, soles of feet. The thing that's important to highlight is also that these, the lesions that are caused by this um, rash can also be found in mucous membranes, which are slightly more difficult to see. So that would include, you know, the inside of your mouth, your nose, um, genitalia, anus, um, kind of those other different membranes. Those as well can also have um, these lesions. Um, there are resources available that will show what these lesions look like. They start off potentially as a bump, um, then kind of progress into something that's more pus filled and then over a couple of weeks, they will dry off, dry up and fall off. And for this virus specifically, um, there are two different kind of subsets of how it can present and they have different case fatality rates. So there's one that has a slightly lower case fatality rate, one that has slightly higher, it appears that the one that's floating around and kind of causing this global outbreak is of the lower case fatality rate. Um, so based on UK data, it appears that the case fatality rate may be about 1%, which is similar to COVID if we are using a comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, a cause of concern regarding symptoms and hospitalization and fatality is that it is more severe in children. It has been shown that children have higher rates of hospitalization and um, same with immunocompromised patients. It is a more severe infection in immunocompromised patients with higher fatality risk. Um, And then also individuals, if they're infected during pregnancy, it can lead to potential complications. So those are also kind of things that we are wary about. Um, Regarding transmission, we have a present known routes of transmission between um, human to human transmission. So those would be skin to skin contact. um, Specifically, if you have contact with a present lesion, um, like touching those actual lesions would be that skin to skin contact, Um, contact with anything that would have been in contact with those lesions, such as clothing, bedding, towels, things that you share if you're eating because, again, of those mucous membranes, so sharing cups, um, cutlery, dishes, uh, toothbrushes, that would also be a mode of spread. So another thing that we think it's important to highlight, monkeypox is not considered a sexually transmitted infection. However, it can be spread during sexual activity as this virus does spread through skin-to-skin contact. And again, I do want to highlight there might be lesions that aren't visible because of the mucous membrane situation. We do think that further research is needed into these transmission routes because the current level of spread we're seeing across the globe is novel. It is new. And there are also confirmed cases in different countries that don't have a known exposure. And then, lastly, on that point, uh, the current virus, there are a couple different variants of the virus. The one that has been sequenced in the UK does show that there are mutations that may affect transmission, but that's still very early days of research. And it is something that needs to be further researched into is there a change that would cause a global spread at this point in time, or that has a spread that is better from human to human transmission as previously most cases or a good portion of cases had been between um, animal and human transmission through exposure in that way. And then uh, another thing to highlight about transmission is that individuals with high levels of close contact are the ones that are going to be at heightened risk for monkeypox infection. So that can include individuals like frontline healthcare workers, um, hospitality workers, And um, children, so because children have not only a lot of interaction between their own peer group, they actually also have a lot of intergenerational contacts between their nuclear family, their extended family, um, grandparents, siblings, and um, things like that. So they actually have a lot of contacts.
1: And regarding the the transmission of monkeypox, what can the public do to help? And is it still relatively in managed isolation Mm -hmm. or is it a bit more like in the community, kind of like how COVID-19 is still at the moment?
5: Yeah, so that's a great question. So in New Zealand, there was um, its first case was reported on the 9th of July and the second case was reported on the 12th of July. And there's no evidence in New Zealand of community transmission. So at this point in time, New Zealand actually has a relatively contained situation as compared to other countries at present. What the public itself can do to just be aware is... I would encourage people to look at the Ministry of Health has actually put out quite a lot of information on their website regarding symptoms and transmission routes. I would really encourage people to seek reliable information from sources such as Ministry of Health, um, your GP if you're able to contact your GP with questions, or websites like the WHO. And I have two major reasons for this. It's um, when outbreaks are emerging infections. Spread or appear, um, our understanding of those infections changes. So, in order for something to be novel, something had to have changed. So, it will be kind of an evolving situation for us in our understanding. And public health knowledge can change quite quickly. So, those reliable sources will update our current understanding um, or will update with our current understanding. And secondly, emergent infections can also bring up a lot of unhelpful media that capitalizes on lack of understanding, fear, or stigma. And the best way to stop transmission is to know when and how to seek medical attention and follow medical advice if you do acquire it. And um, messaging that kind of um, creates fear or stigma will prevent, you know, attention, the medical attention seeking behavior and also just identifying when there is um, a need to seek medical attention.
1: And for sure, just to wrap up. Quickly, um, monkeypox, as you said, like it's important to be informed, like and just check out all these resources to make sure that we are aware of it. And monkeypox isn't an an STI, it is a virus and it is known to be prevalent among gay men. But how do we address this without stigmatizing it? Because it is important to address that it is a virus,
5: yeah. No, that's a really great question as well. So, like you said, monkeypox is a a virus that causes an infection, and that is across like any person who is a human is equally predisposed to having that infection and can become infected and have these symptoms and transmit it. So at present, there are a high percentage of cases that are found in um, the community of gay, bisexual, and men who have sex with men. Um, there, when a new emerging virus appears, it is, it is commonly seen that it will start within a specific population just by the network that it is in. So the initial cases for this outbreak were in that population and it spread within that population. Um, however, that doesn't mean that it's just going to be within that population um, sure. because everybody, everyone is able to be infected with this. And what we actually in the public health community look at is that um, men who have sex with men, gay men, and um, bisexual men actually have very good medical attention-seeking behaviors And actually do present to healthcare settings when um, there is something that they need medical treatment for. So we actually acknowledge that as part of a positive thing. Um, We don't stigmatize against that. We actually are very thankful that this outbreak was identified. um, And we credit that to people who actually went and sought care. Um, But like I said, if um, this does spread through close contact, so within households between you know if you live in accommodation with friends things like that like this this can spread through the different routes of transmission that you would have within a household contact situation.
1: Thank you very much for that that was very informative and do you have anything else that you'd like to add regarding monkeypox perhaps like where we can go to get updates on the virus and just sort out helpful information?
5: Yeah so um one of, Like I mentioned before, the Ministry of Health actually has pretty good guidelines on what to do, specifically if you are identified as a case. They actually have some good guidelines on their website about isolation and how to keep yourself and your family or, say, if you're in shared accommodation, how to keep those around you safe. And it's pretty in-depth um, regarding, you know, house cleaning and eating and isolation and things like that. So that's actually a pretty good source of information. Um there is also PCR testing available to people who meet the clinical criteria. So if you do feel like you meet the symptoms or you're identified as a close contact of someone who did have monkeypox, um, present to your GP and that PCR test is available. Um, and there are other tools available as well. Like the, the New Zealand has actually learned quite a bit from the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. And one of those tools was really having, a pretty immediate reaction to creating these very um, clear guidelines and clear information. Um, If this does progress to a situation where there is more transmission, there is another tool that New Zealand has not implemented yet, but is available, which is called ring vaccination. Um, So there is a vaccine that is pretty effective against monkeypox, the smallpox vaccine. And ring vaccination is the method of um, vaccinating close contacts around a confirmed individual Mm -hmm. Um, And it creates almost a shell to prevent transmission from exiting that space. Um, So that's another thing that could also be available for future things down the line. Hopefully it maintains the level that it's at right now, which is pretty contained. However, if it is no longer contained, that is another tool that New Zealand has access to.
1: That is very good to know. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about monkeypox, its arrival in New Zealand and what we can expect and some good facts about it. So everyone listening has a good understanding of it and its current isolation stage and where to go for help. Thank you very much, Constanza, for joining me.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: That was Constanza Jackson, Research Fellow at the University of Otago, Wellington, speaking to me about the monkeypox virus. Now we only have one more feature left on the show where I'll be talking about events in history that have happened on this day. But before that, here is Juno Is with It's No Groover. It is quarter to twelve, and you're listening to R1 News. <laughs> Tuned into R1 News, I'm Nico, and it is almost 10 to 12. And we are moving into our final and reoccurring segment, which is on this day in history. If you've just tuned in now, we've had some great features. Um, we've talked about monkeypox virus, and we've talked about the Green Party's move to reopen the position of co leadership. Now, on this day in history, I've picked some fun and interesting facts and important moments that have happened on this day, July twenty-six. First up, in 1609, English mathematician Thomas Harriot was the first person to draw a map of the moon by looking through a telescope. I think that's quite a fun fact, and last week I think we talked about that it was the anniversary of the first moon walk so quite a good little follow-up from that one and then moving on to our second fact of the day of this day the republic of maldives gained its independence from britain in 1960. That is an important moment of history, for sure. And to wrap up this little brief moment on this day in history, it is, apparently, World Tofu Day. World Tofu Day is to be celebrated, and according to the articles I have read, it is a great way to encourage limiting meat intake for the planet and helping with the climate. So everyone, open your recipe books, get cracking, make some yummy little tofu meals for dinner if you're not planning to already okay that was on this day in history and now i believe we are coming towards the end of the show so i'm going to do a quick little wrap up of everything that we have been discussing today and everything which you can find on podcasts after this has gone to air So we started off the show by speaking to Dr. Lara Greaves, Senior Lecturer on Politics and International Relations at Auckland University. I spoke to Lara about the Green Party and their vote to reopen the position of co-leader to other delegates, what this means for the Green Party and its relations with Parliament and government and what it means for their portfolios. It's really good and informative, so I highly recommend giving that a listen After that, I spoke to University of Otago, Wellington Research Fellow, Constanza Jackson, about the monkeypox virus, its arrival in New Zealand, important facts you need to know about it, and plans to combat the virus. And then we just had a brief little recount of what has happened on this day in history. And I'm looking forward to being back next week to share some more fun moments and talk some more with everyone listening. Thank you for a great show, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. This has been R1 News. I'm going to leave everyone with a song, and that is going to be Pressure to Party by Julia Jacklin. Stay tuned. Stay locked. This is Radio 1.
6: choke now